Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Thanks for allowing us to share this time with you. Honestly, it's our favorite time of the day where we get to hang out together and talk about how the truth of God's Word can make a huge difference in your life. And that's what we're going to hear from Richard in a way that only he can do with words of hope, insight, and humor. You may be stuck in traffic or stuck in life. Either way, today's message is going to help get you on the right track as you learn how much God loves you right where you are. So let's get right into today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Whoopin'. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 8. We will start there and I'll read you a few quotes before we get into it. Deuteronomy chapter 8, and then I'll tell you what verse in a minute. Robert Louis Stevenson said this, everybody sooner or later sits down to a banquet of consequences. Norman Cousins, wisdom consists of the anticipation of consequences. And Thomas Huxley, listen to this, logical consequences are the scarecrows of fools and the beacons of wise men. Now, where do you think I'm going today? Consequences. I had a very, very, very encouraging thing happen to me the other day. I was with Rebecca. We were coming into Dallas on an interstate. I came over a hill on the interstate and off in the grass on the right were two state troopers. And they were aiming instruments at me. (laughs) Now here's the interesting thing about what happened to me in that moment. I was only going 84, so... And I was only going 84 in a 75, which is hard to find a 75 stretch, right? I mean, that's just like a praise in itself for me. The whole time I had been driving that day, I knew exactly what I was doing. I was driving and there's a part of me and maybe there's a part of you. And by the way, this happened pretty quickly after I'd done a sermon on being submitted to authority, which thank you very much God for that didn't work out too well for me. I like moving. I like going. I see people on the road and if they're going a certain speed, I got to beat them. I got to be going faster, right? And the crazy people going the speed limit are just in my way. So you say, well, you're out of control. You know, what do you do? And there are times that I even have the thought, okay, you know what, God, I like moving. I like driving. I enjoy getting out here on the road and going fast. So I'll tell you what, I'll take the consequences. You know, some people take that approach to go, they buy a fast car, they drive it fast, they get tickets, they hire attorneys, they get it resolved, and they just keep going. The problem is, it's just the law you're breaking, or I'm breaking. So now you say, well, what were your feelings? Because it's all split second, isn't it? I mean, I've been weaving and, you know, going in and out of traffic, having a good time driving the car, and I come over that hill, and it's just like, boom, split seconds, you see it, you hit the brakes, you know, you're doing, and all of a sudden, I knew I had been had, and I had a very strange calm come over me. I pulled over, the guy came up, he was very polite, I was very polite, you know why I'm very polite? I got what was coming to me. Why are you going to get in the guy's face and get all upset and angry and, I don't know, how fast was I going? Well, you know you set the cruise control at that speed. (laughs) So there's no sense in arguing. You ought to be grateful that you live in a country where there are people out there stopping people and there are consequences. Because someplace in the world, there are no consequences. And it is anarchy. It is bedlam. It's whatever you want to do, you just do. 
So there is a certain amount of comfort that comes with consequence. Now, the sooner you figure that out and I figure that out, the sooner your life is going to change. Consequences are not bad. There are good consequences and there are bad consequences. If you do the right thing, there are good consequences a lot of time. You do the wrong thing, there are bad consequences. You say, well, not for me, I haven't gotten caught. Just give it time, give it time. Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse five. You should know in your heart, I love that this is in this verse. You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. You show me a dad who loves his kids, his son, his daughter, I will show you a dad who is disciplining, chastening those kids. You show me a kid who their parents, they're not being disciplined, I will show you parents who do not either love their kids or don't know how to do it. Because love and discipline, love and consequences come together. You say, well, but I don't want to get it awkward in our house and, you know, the kids need to explore. You know what? Kids don't need to explore beyond the boundaries. They get lost. They don't know where they're going. Ask any teacher in here, anybody with a brain knows, you don't just say, well, go figure it, you know, just whatever feels good, you try it and then we'll deal with it later. You will have chaos. And so you keep the boundaries. You try to do everything you can to teach them because sooner or later, your kids are gonna be out from under your rule, your reign. I had this thought the other day, one of my girls turns 18 and I realized that at that moment, when she turned 18, whatever my will was, she was not violating my will anymore. It's not about my will. I can have an opinion. She can ask me what I think, but it is not my will ultimately at that point. I am not the authority anymore. She is her authority, but it has to transfer from me to God. And that's as a parent what you're trying to figure out. It's so that when the day comes where they go, well, I can do what I want to do, they don't want to do what they want to do. They want to do what God wants them to do. And they understand because there have been boundaries in their life from birth till that point that now the boundaries shift. Now you say, well, I wasn't raised in that kind of house. I had no boundaries. That's why you're getting such a whooping. Because society comes along and says, you know what? Maybe your dad didn't stop you, but we will. That should be a comfort to you. You say, yeah, but they're holding me back. No, they're trying to rein you in so you don't kill yourself. Another verse, Job chapter five, Job five seventeen. Behold, happy is the man whom God corrects. You should be happy if God cares enough about you to even bother to correct you. Therefore, do not despise the chastening of the Almighty, for he bruises, but he binds up. He wounds, but his hands make whole. Certainly there's pain. Certainly there's a moment where you're like, that didn't feel so good. But God is trying, and as parents, you're trying to connect the pain with the activity. And the kid in their brain, me as a man in my brain, I say, okay, I did what I wanted to do, but the consequences are now not worth it. And I'm telling you, you can start right here with me and we can move up and down these rows and I can ask you questions. You know, look at some guy and say, was cheating on your wife worth it? The answer is always no. Because in an instant, you get clobbered with those feelings. You get the whooping begins immediately. The results just pile in on you. You say, well, I can drink all I want to drink when I want to drink it. And then the police officer pulls you over and it's not 84 and a 75. It's you can't breathe into a tube without the alarms going off. 
And now you're in jail, now you're in court, now the consequences are coming on you. You cannot treat consequences like scarecrows, as we saw a minute ago, and act like, oh, never mind that, I can do whatever I want to do when I want to do it. That is not true. And if you are a child of God, the blessing is, is that he will not let that go on. I have the comfort of knowing that if I get completely out of line, my God is going to come after me. I should be afraid a little bit, but I'm also happy about that because he loves me. He cares for me. He is not going to let me get out of control. He will help me, right? Even in a kid, even in little kids, they may not know how to articulate this, but there is a great comfort in being in a home where somebody cares enough to say no and pull in the reins and stop you because we will, all of us would end up completely out of control left to ourselves. Proverbs 3 11. I'm reading you as many of these. I'm not going to read you everything in here about this, but I'm going to read you a ton of them so you know it's not just one random thing. Proverbs 3.11 says this, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father the son in whom he delights. So you show me a father who really, really, really loves his son, a mom who really loves her daughter, her son, then I'm going to show you some correction is going to happen there. You say, well, it's not fun. Let me tell you something about fun. If you don't step it up and love your kids and discipline them, you're going to have hell on wheels before it's all over. And our prisons are filled with this kind of mess. And our streets are filled. I got, going back to driving, I'm driving the other day and some lunatic who drives worse than me came by and whipping in out of traffic. I have this instinct, and I'm not the only person. I have this instinct to speed up and catch him. I'm gonna catch him and I'm gonna look at him. I'm gonna get right up next to him and I'm gonna look at him. Because I'm a Christian, I would never flip him off, so I'm gonna look at him. And then what am I gonna do? If somebody is crazy enough to drive crazy enough to make you crazy, you probably ought to tap your brakes and get out of their way. They could be drunk, they could be high, they could be angry, they could be a lot of things. You gotta be wise enough to just back off and go, you know what, I don't want anywhere near that. Right? But we jump in there, gonna fix that. I'm gonna tell him something, I'm gonna ram him from behind. (laughs) Proverbs 15, 10, go there. Now look at where he escalates it to. Harsh discipline is for him who forsakes the way, and he who hates correction will die. So when God cranks this thing up and the harsh discipline comes, you go, wow, this is getting intense. Why is that? It says that harsh discipline is for him who forsakes the way. You go, I'm out. I ain't going to do anything anymore. I quit. I'm going to go do whatever the heck I want to do, and I don't care what the consequences. Then the consequences escalate because God still loves you, and so the heat comes. Now, here's part of my question today. Where are you getting a whooping? What is your whooping over? And why is the whooping escalating to the place where you almost can't take it anymore? And why will we not yield? God is on your side. He's trying to help you and love you and encourage you. But he is also on your side enough and loves you enough that when you cross lines, he will say, ooh, this is going to hurt you. It's going to hurt me, all that stuff. And bam, the consequences come. And they say, well, where do these sermons come out? They come out of my own life, but they come out of a myriad of conversations. I sit with you people. I sit with human beings. And what I am observing is that lots of people are living the result of consequences. 
And if we can slow this mess down and get people to make wise choices, you don't end up in those places anymore. Conversation this week with a young lady lives in Dallas. And what I have observed in this town is young women, especially blow into town, come in from all over the place. And this is just like an extended college campus. And these, some of these girls come in and it's a party and they're rich guys with the nice cars and they're buying them, you know, the right kind of booze and they're taking them to the right places. And these guys are just using these girls and these girls think, oh no, he's going to marry me. You and about 300 other girls, you know, these guys, they don't have any intention of marrying you. And if you're willing to sleep with some guy, bam, out of nowhere, oh yeah, that's what he's writing on. Dear mom, I found a girl who slept with me on the first date. My dream, we're getting married in the fall. He ain't looking for you. Unfortunately, these girls think, oh, he loves me. He said he loved, he gave me gifts. He did all these things. And then these girls get thrown away. And then the consequences are they go, now no one will want me because look at my life. Look where I've been. Look what I've done. So now they get depressed. Now they drink more. They use more. They end up as strippers someplace. And then their lives disintegrate. And you say, well, what happened? You just don't get it. There are consequences. You say, well, no, I'm going to make it work. I'll be the exception. There are no exceptions. The only exceptions are the people who experience the mercy and grace of God. And somehow you land in a pile and you say, God, I've screwed this up, haven't I? And he goes, yeah, you have. But God, I admit that. I confess that. I need your help. I can't get out of this mess. And I don't just want you to get me out right now. I want out permanently. I want a relationship with you. I want to walk with you, talk with you, do what my grandmother, my mom, my aunt, my sister, my cousin, my friend told me that this was the only way my life was going to work. So let's try it your way, God. And you say, well, is it fun that way? This isn't about being fun all the time. This is about some joy. Everybody goes out and parties and they come home. And I mean, again, I've never been drunk, but all the descriptions I hear of people hung over, I'm like, what are you people thinking? I mean, you might as well gargle diesel fuel or something and stay home. And then they recover from that and boom, let's go out again tonight. What? And feel like that again? Well, that's all I got. Okay, I get that too. I'm telling you, you can trade that in on something, on someone. And his name happens to be Jesus. He said, well, I'll never have any fun again. Let me tell you something. I have more fun than this whole section put together. I meant that whole section. I have a great time. I love life. I laugh. I love. I live. You know, it's a good thing to be alive. It's just you got to get it back to just normal and figure out what God calls normal. More verses. Let's jump over to Romans chapter 13. And I understand when I do a message like this, we got everybody here in the room, we got people outside of here listening someplace, somewhere in the future, and some of you go, yeah, whatever, I'm going to do what I want to do. I get that. I still do what I want to do in some areas. You know what? But God loves me enough and he's after me because he's going to help me become who he wants me to be, not who I'm just defaulting to. But if nothing else, just remember you heard something. Just tuck it away in a file because the day is going to come where you're going to find yourself somewhere and the consequence line and the fun line have intersected and you're going to go, time out. I'm out. I don't want to do this anymore. And I remember I was in a church someplace. Some preacher said that there was a better way and that really the consequence that has come upon me is the mercy 
and the goodness and the kindness of God. The book says that it is his kindness, his gentleness that leads us to repentance. So you go, wow, not what the heck happened to me? Why is this all this happening? You go, wow, God loved me enough to let this happen to get my attention and turn me to him. It's gonna be okay. Happy is the man who is chastened. Romans chapter 13, verse one, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? I got out of 7-Eleven to get a drink and there was a police officer at the 7-Eleven and you say, well, you're making stuff up. The police officer came out of the 7-Eleven. There was another car pumping gas. The guy in the car pumping gas looked over, saw the cop and got really nervous. What law are you breaking sitting there pumping gas? It's not that that he was nervous about. He freaked because who knows what's in his car, in his trunk, what he's involved with. If you are involved in illicit behavior, when you are around authority, you're going to freak. You're going to get nervous when your inspection sticker's out on your car. I've had this before. I'll drive three blocks out of the way because the cop's in front of me. I got a lot of cop issues, so anyhow. (laughs) You say, well, but I can't afford to get my inspection done, and that's why I have to hide from the police and stop and stick papers up in the, you know, all this stuff. I know all those tricks too, camouflage, that area of the car. You know what I'm talking about. Put a mirror up there, the sun catches and, you know, blinds the policeman. Why don't you have your car inspected? Because I don't have enough money. And this is going to get painful. Why do you not have enough money? I spent it. What did I spend it on? Well, the friends were all going to happy hour and that, you know, at 80 bucks, you know, you got to go. What are you going to tell them? No. Some of the reason you're broke is consequence. And so the consequence lands, you go, oh God, what am I gonna do? And he's saying, well, yeah, this is painful, but if you make some changes, then live within a budget and do all these things, then you won't have this fear, these consequences. But I wanna do what I wanna do when I wanna do it. See, now you people who drive 55 aren't happy with me because maybe you're all good on the freeway, you're just not good when it comes to slapping down credit cards. Well, I'll pay for this later. The problem is later goes on and on and on and on, right? Whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves for rulers are not a terror to good works but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good and you will have praise from the same. How are you officer? Good. Well, I appreciate the way you're driving. Thank you, officer. Just don't follow me out of here, okay? Now look at this in verse four, whoever the authority, for he is God's minister to you for good. Why do you think they have countries they call someone the minister of defense? Where do you think these terms come from? These people are literally ministers from God's perspective. Their job is to minister something in that country and over the people who live there. He is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. You say, why am I afraid? Because you should be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. If you've still got a conscience, you ought to thank God for that, because some people just blow through that. And they just, everyone does what's right in their own eyes. If you have any tinge of conscience, then pay attention to that and say, okay, God, what are you trying to tell me? 
For because of this, you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs due, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. You say, okay, well, I drive right, I don't do all these things, but I'm cheating on my income taxes. Really? And you wonder why you're getting an economic whooping. And then we'll just put this one at the end. You say, well, but by the time I pay my taxes, my insurance, there's really not any money left for God. You want a real whooping? Get there. You say, well, you're trying to raise money? No, I'm trying to raise a bunch of kids. That if you figure out these components of your life and get in line with what scripture says and who he is and how the real world works God's way, then you will avoid these consequences. People who don't tithe, people who don't pay their taxes, it's going. I've said this repeatedly in here. If you don't give God's money to God, you will not keep it. You never keep God's money. You will make a bad decision, a bad investment, because you're not firing on all cylinders. You're not under authority. You're not doing what he says. And so now he says, okay, I got to get this guy's attention. That's why I ask you, where do you get whoopings? There's a good chance there's a correlation between what your issues are and where the whoopings are coming from. The same thing in my life. One more, Hebrews 12. Now back to me getting pulled over the other day. You know, I was a little shocked by my own reaction. I actually knew because I had been thinking not just that day, but a few days and weeks before that, I got a ticket coming, so I need to be grateful when it happens. In fact, I've never done this, but it has occurred to me to pull over a police officer and say, you know what? I'm not complaining, but you guys are really not doing your job because I haven't been caught in a long time. So could you write me one for something around 70 and a 65, something like that? And I'll be glad that's all it is. You say, well, no one would do that. That's the point of scripture, that you stop having to get pulled over and you start turning yourself in. You don't have to have a warrant out for you. You turn yourself in, you repent, you change, you back up, you back up, you get in line, and then you don't have to live in fear. We'll get back to Richard in a moment to close out today's talk. But first, I want to share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to take the planet. So it's our prayer that these daily talks from Richard aren't something you only hear and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. Together, we can do this. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear, and that's why it's such a priority to us. So join us in this important mission. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD to say you're in. Or you can get on board with us through our website, richardellistalks.com. Well, here's Richard with some closing thoughts for us. Now, when I leave here today, I will get into my car and I will probably struggle because my flesh screams for speed. (laughs) And the funny thing is, I don't have any need to go 70 and a 35. I just have to go faster than everyone else around me. That's my problem. It's a game. It's a race. And that's the flesh. And you have the flesh. I have the flesh. So I say, Father, that's my struggle. Help me. Help me slow down so that I don't live in fear and I do things the way you intended. Hebrews chapter 12, let's read a few of these and then we're done. Let's jump in at verse 5. 
and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, now listen to this, But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, in other words, all people who become Christians who are his children have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Now your problem, you say, well, I'm not getting disciplined. You might want to get in this family so that you have a father in heaven who cares about you and you submit yourself to his chastening so you can live the way he intended. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and what? And live. All God's trying to help me do is live the way he intended for me to live. For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. And by the way, if it's chastening, it is intended to be painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. I am interested in that. Even when I'm not interested in slowing down, I am interested in that. Because that adrenaline rush, that anxiety, your heart racing, I'm doing something illicit, I'm getting away with something. That all may be very exciting, but it's also very scary because you're right there on the verge of tremendous consequence. So just step away from the rail. Enough of these unnecessary whoopings that you get yourself into. This has been Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. There's only one reason we do this program, to take the planet with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's our message and our mission. And you have a vital part of doing that along with us. If you've been encouraged by these talks with Richard, be sure to share with someone about the change they've made in your life. And we'd love to hear your story as to how the talks have made a difference to you. Give us a call. We'd love to talk with you. 855-6-RICHARD. You can also reach us through our website, richardellistalks.com. And while you're there, check out all the fun and informative pages we put together for you, richardellistalks.com. While you're there, be sure to click on the Contribute tab at the top to send your generous gift. If the program is making a difference to you, your gift will make a big difference to us. Until next time, thanks so much for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.